Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Space Floor NBA Podcast. My name is Connor Geelan. And I'm Connor Flannery. This is our 102nd official episode just yesterday, they announced the reserves for the 2022 All-Star Game, and so we are going to do our Space the Floor yearly All-Star Draft. We're excited to do it. You know, this is something that they, they implemented for the real NBA players a few years ago, and but I think ours is is equally fun, maybe. Uh, we'd like to think so. Um, but why don't we start it off with a coin flip to see who gets first pick, who's going to be choosing their captain first. So we choose captain first, and then they get the first pick for all of the starters. All the starters must be picked first. like That's how they do it in the real All-Star Draft. And then the loser of the coin flip will get the first pick for the seven bench, bench reserves. So I've been practicing my flips. Let's hope <laughs> I don't show. All right. C-Flan, call it. Tails. Tails never fails. You win. There we go. There we go. All right. So... With my first pick, uh, this is tough. I actually, you know, we, we, we didn't come in with, with much much planned at all. We sort of just agreed that we were going to kind of freestyle this and, and do whatever came to mind. So, obviously, right now, picking between captains, Kevin Durant and LeBron James. Um, I think that in a, I guess in a, in a I, think, I think the more flexible, the more versatile of these two guys in terms of, in terms of play style, the kind of guy that can be your floor general and, and make the engine go on any given team, including in year 332 in the league, as, as the media points likes to point out, is probably LeBron. Um, so I think I'm gonna have to go with him, Kevin Durant. I think you know if and I guess really? we're picturing this. We're picturing this. I think sort of as the same way we've done in the past, like as if they were to play a game and like who do we think like we were trying to draft the team that would win. Um, Kevin Durant is the is. One of the greatest scorers of all time. Don't get me wrong, and he demonstrated on the Golden State Warriors, obviously, that he can play alongside other MVP, All Star caliber players seamlessly and, and still get his without disrupting the flow of the offense. Um, but in terms of the maybe the smartest player on the planet, I would say it's between LeBron James and Chris Paul, um, the guy who's going to be the one calling out calling out the shots, like telling everybody where they need to be and getting everything right. Who the one who's going to make sure that the team the team flows and, and it all and it all I guess sort of works out. Who can carry you uh, even when when he's got no other all stars on on the team? I think is I think is LeBron. And so um, if I'm going to pick somebody that's going to sort of run my show, who's going to really be my team captain? I think I have to go with LeBron James. As as enticing as the Kevin Durant pick is right now, with how well he's he's putting the ball in the basket. Uh, that was a very eloquent answer, and honestly, I would have Appreciate picked LeBron it. too if I were in your shoes. And I thought that that was going to be like a really hot take. Uh, I was kind of glad I lost the coin flip because I was like, uh, you know, I was going to burn my pick on LeBron anyways. Uh, yeah. But okay, you took him, uh, even though KD was like the front runner for MVP arguably before he got injured. Um, so shout to shout to to him for that. He's going to be my captain pick. Not that I have a choice, but that's a pretty <laughs> good second option. 
Yeah. And, and so, so is, does it come the, back uh, to me, to me for a first pick? Um, yeah. I mean, look, like, if you know me, if you know this podcast, you know that this, this one really isn't, isn't a question. Um, if I had been allowed to pick my team captain from players not named Le, uh, LeBron James, Kevin Durant, he probably would have been my first overall pick. But here I've got to go with Nikola Jokic. Um, I mean, I, I, like the same, the same way that I talk about LeBron as, as a smart player, the guy who makes your, who makes your, your team go, who makes everything, makes everything work together while being simultaneous, your, simultaneously your best player and the glue guy. I think that also applies to Nikola Jokic. Um, so who do I want as the guy that's going to not, maybe not be an elite rim protector in terms of shot blocking, but, but has gotten a lot better and holding and holding down the paint in uh, and pick and roll coverage and even stretching out to the perimeter. He's very nimble um, and, and moves well on defense and has good instincts, even if he doesn't have the hops, the, the wingspan, whatever you want to call it, like a Joel Embiid to, to you know, be a, be a menace shot blocker. Um, I do think that Nikola Jokic here, though, is, is going gonna, is gonna to help me get stops on D, get the rebound, and immediately help me run in transition. And so next to a guy like LeBron James, just imagine the... Nikola Jokic getting the board while LeBron is leaking out full court pass. Like, I think that's the Lake Show kind of like LeBron uh, getting transition in 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 jam all over you kind of kind of style. Like, I can't think of a better center to run that with than than Jokic. Um, obviously, w- maybe the best big man passer of all time. I think he's as much as he doesn't. I think is a selfless player and doesn't want to be the one to have to put the ball in the basket. I think he's shown that when he has to is one of the most lethal scorers in the league can score basically at will. It looks like at times um, we'll be able to stretch the defense out to the three point line. If I need them to, I really have only good things to say about, about Jokic, even though um, for a game that's so going to be so heavily scoring with all all stars, I can see why the Joel Embiid's at center pick would make sense for defense alone. I got to go with Jokic here. Interesting. Yeah. So not shocking whatsoever. uh, Knowing you and knowing your Jokic stand, I have literally gifted you Nikola Jokic socks in the back. uh, In in the Uh, past, you have a Nuggets jersey in the background. Uh, With that being said, I'm going to select uh, two-time MVP, uh, one-time Defensive Player of the Year, just to wreak havoc on all your All Stars and hopefully try to stop them. Uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, uh, he's made a surge for the MVP award this year as well. This would be his third in the past four years. Uh, and just someone who can switch on to anyone, you know, you're going to be having LeBron, Jokic, like, you know, who who else you're going to pick. Uh, and I just need someone to get a stop for me or to help on the weak side uh, with his, you know, eight-foot-long alien wingspan. Uh, that's definitely going to be Giannis. And then also... The one good thing about having KD uh, instead of LeBron is I think that Giannis is definitely a better fit alongside KD because uh, LeBron and Giannis kind of both need the ball in their hands and neither are superb shooters. But Giannis having the ball, like you cannot help on him when KD's on the perimeter or else it's going to be three points. So with that being said, I'm going Giannis. Yeah, that's a good pick. I, I, I think I'm... You didn't go with the same route that I did as going with your with your favorite player, the one you got a soft spot for, and so now you've left me. I think uh, the one that I've got a snag. So I'm, I'm like I said, I, I mentioned Joel Embiid in in the last round. I think he's made a really freaking strong case to to be to be the MVP over just the last few weeks. So as much as I would like to to give him his props, I think right here I have to go Steph Curry, despite the shooting yeah. slump that he's been in the last month or so. Um, 
it's really interesting. I know Thinking Basketball on YouTube just did a video about this, um, and they and they have a really awesome podcast where they'll go back in with YouTube afterwards and add a lot of clips. Um, and he even just did a feature like on the NBA channel talking about Jokic. So I recommend all of his all of his stuff at, over at Thinking Basketball. But specifically, um, he did something about Steph Curry where he showed that even since Steph Curry's shooting slump, his on-off numbers aren't any worse. That that the, that the Warriors basically in terms of an efficiency perspective, in terms of their net rating, are still, you know, it's like they're if they're eight points better than the opponents and eight points worse than the opponents, like with, with Steph Curry on the court versus off the court. I'm not sure what the exact numbers were, but it was about 16 was the difference in net rating with Steph Curry on versus off the court, uh, both before the shooting slump and after. So basically what, what that's showing is that even with Steph Curry in the shooting slump, teams aren't guarding him any differently. You know what I mean? You know, if, if you're the opposing defense, you don't decide suddenly because Steph Curry hasn't been shooting well in the, in the month of February, in, in, in January, February, like you don't suddenly decide like, okay, let's just not go over on the screen. We'll just let Steph take that. It's not, you, you guard in the same way. He's Steph Curry. You, you, you expect him to make the shot regardless. You know what I mean? Um, so I don't really care if he hasn't been hitting his shots in the last month. I know that his gravity and the way the defenses are forced to play him is going to be exactly the same. And so when you put that kind of gravity, ball movement, a guy who, who moves off the ball probably any, better than any player in NBA history um, and who draws defenses out to the perimeter probably more than any, any player in NBA history, like that's a really lethal combination next to, to guys like LeBron and Jokic. And I'd be really interested to see the kind of like picks and stuff that you could get with Jokic dishing it back to Curry. You know, like we, we see a lot of that with Draymond. It, I mean, Steph Curry makes the Warriors offense look like a well-oiled machine, a masterpiece, with Draymond being, in terms of scoring, basically a zero on offense. Um, I mean, obviously he's a great playmaker, great passer, but but imagine a Jokic-level scorer on the court being the screen setter for, for Curry. So that's kind of what I'm picturing here. So the, the Curry-LeBron-Jokic combo that I've already got going, I'm I'm in love with. Yeah, dude, that, that's got me trembling. Uh, to <laughs> counter your Jokic move, uh, I'm going to take Joel Embiid. Yeah. I was... The, the thought of taking him last round crossed my mind given how good he's been and also the fact that if you took both centers, I would be screwed. Uh, but shout out to you for not doing that. Uh, and also, I, bait, I I knew that you would probably not want to pass up Steph Curry, even though I, I can't believe I let uh, my biological father, Stephen Curry, uh, get into your yeah. hands. Uh, but yeah, so I go, I go with Joel Embiid. Uh, Defensive Player of the Year candidate, MVP candidate. If anyone in the league can shut down Jokic or at least slow down Jokic, it's gonna be him. And and if anyone can match Jokic's effect as a big man in this league, he's the best we've seen uh, in the past few years uh, in terms of anyone who's in a league with Jokic. Uh, his you know mid range has been automatic, and especially his low post has just been unstoppable in the past two years he was second in mvp last year he's probably going to be top three again um i'm going the process i think that in a game filled with so many you know high flyers and rim runner uh and uh like dynamic wing scores and perimeter scores i think joel Embiid's like low post it's gonna be really hard to stop like i i Jokic is very strong but i don't know if he's going to be ha- able to handle him down low I would say probably too quietly, like like in the media and like for the average fan, like Joel Embiid is having one of the best scoring stretches like in league history in the last like month and a half, and like you know 
not that many people are talking about it. And so if you're not like, you know, watching Joel Embiid and paying attention to the to the absolute streak that he's been been on, like hopefully you've at least seen like, you know, Bleacher Report House of Highlights will like post like here's Joel Embiid's last ten games and it's like 35, 35, 42, 30. You know, like he just like dude is just like putting up buckets on your favorite team like every single night. And it's not even just the numbers, but it's like how unstoppable he looks doing it. It's like they'll throw a double team at him. He just up and unders and, and one free throw. You know what I mean? Like they're throwing double teams at him and he's just like going to work on them in, in not only getting the basket, but getting the free throw. And so here I am advocating for your player, but please to, to everybody sitting at home, like of course, Joel Embiid has had it has had a great season, but like, I think this is already the second longest streak of Joel Embiid's career of like games played. It's all, it's, you know, it's at like probably 20, 25, 30, something like that, like at this point, but it's like, we haven't seen Joel Embiid for this long be this consistently good, like in his career. So just like also take advantage, take advantage of that. You know what I mean? We're we're having a healthy prime Joel Embiid going off like on a nightly basis. So yeah, take full advantage of your. One last thing, the 76ers right now, the top of the East is insanely competitive, but right now the 76ers are the three seed and they're, they're one game back of being the number one seed in the Eastern conference. Yeah, they should not be that high. They should not be that high with the fact that their second best player, Ben Simmons, has not played a single game this year. And with all the drama surrounding that, Tobias Harris has been very good. Seth Curry has stepped up and Tyrese Maxey set up, stepped up. But if Joel Embiid was not playing like a top five player in the NBA, oh, they yeah. would they would not be top five in the East. Like there's if he performed you know, at his all-star starter caliber of two years ago, they would not be here. He's he's unlocked a new level that we saw for stretches of last season as well, admittedly. It just, the, it translates to, the, to team success as well, is what I'm trying to say. It's unreal. A healthy a healthy Joel Embiid is a, is a scary, scary sight. Scary, scary sight. Uh, and, and, you know, like, there's a lot of trade rumors flying for the deadline. Like, we'll see what happens. Um, but... Even if even if something happens at the deadline, just like I don't know the the James Harden stuff flying around, like if Bradley Beal, the reports are like okay, he doesn't necessarily want out of Washington, but he's having like mixed feelings, right? At least if somebody decides like hey, like a, like some guard especially decides like hey, I don't really want to be here anymore, uh, meaning like whatever team they're on, a a seventy sixers trade package like with with Ben Simmons, you know or you trade Ben Simmons and you can tr- flip part of what you get in the Ben Simmons package for Joel Embiid or get, or sorry, not for Joel Embiid, for a third, for like the third star in the trade, a second star next to Joel Embiid. Um, I would not be surprised if the, if the 76ers look pretty different at the start of next season. I would be pretty surprised if they look different after this deadline. It sounds like the Ben Simmons stuff is not getting a lot of traction at the moment. And Daryl Morey is pretty content with waiting until the off season at least. Um, but Things are spicy in in Philadelphia because you have, you know, one of the most dominant big man big men really like ever, um, healthy and and playing his ass off. Okay, next pick though. That was a lot of that was a lot of Joel Embiid talk. Um, I'm gonna go with Demar Derozan. The interesting. So 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 for reference, the the guys left are Trey Young, Andrew Wiggins, John Morant, Demar Derozan. Um, Steph Curry next to Steph Curry, there's there's like there's an argument. I thought about Ja, obviously having an incredible year. Um, I don't like Trey 
like for for defense and two small purposes, especially next to Steph. I don't like the Steph trade backcourt. Um, I do think Demar, you know, like played played too early in his career. But depending who I take next round, I could even see him sliding to the four next to Jokic in the front court or next to Jokic and, and LeBron. Who you decide who's the four between LeBron and Demar. Um, but absolute killer has like more game winners that you can count on one hand so far this season. Um, guy whose contract we were calling, uh, you know, not necessarily us, but a lot of people were, were doubting has, has stepped the hell up and is, and is reminding everybody like why he was an all-star starter back in Toronto, like actually only a few years ago. You know what I mean? Um, I'm really, I'm really, really happy for him that he's, that he's proving, proving people wrong because he's even a lot better than he was when he was in Toronto now at this point. Um, not only is he is he still automatic for mid range, but but his playmaking and his and his IQ and his overall game I think is just a lot better. And the best part about all of it is that it's translating to wins. Um, and so if there's if there's a guy that that you know that deserves to I, I guess like like out of out of the, there's a lot of big names in this list. Out of the not so big names, the not so consistently here guys, I think Demar Derozan is like the one I want on my team right now because. Like I said, of how of how automatic he's been as a scorer, um, how how he can just go to work in the mid range because Steph Curry, LeBron, Nikola Jokic, all guys who can give you a bucket, obviously. But who's my like go to size you up from the mid range? Um, I can actually see that being Demar Derozan, especially you run him a little bit with the second unit. Uh, I think I think it could be cool. So so I'm gonna take Derozan here. Yeah, honestly, I don't blame you. <laughs> For some reason, I thought you were gonna gonna go with one of the guards, but. You already have Steph Curry, so that makes a yeah. lot of sense. Uh, so now the choice that I have to make is between John Morant and Trey Young, mm. and parenthetically Andrew Wiggins. Um, yeah. And so these are, for context, for, for newer listeners, these are probably like my third and fourth favorite players in the league behind you know Steph Curry and Damian Lillard. Um, Interesting I, that Damian's on this list, by the way. Yes, I mean he's not. Like, he hasn't been playing. Like, he hasn't been playing yeah. like games. Just like worth worth noting. I don't know since you brought yeah. him up. Yeah, um, so yeah. Like John Moran's probably like three and Trey's four, uh, and so I'm looking at my roster, and I think they've had like pretty equal seasons. I think John Morant has probably had like if I was gonna make an All NBA team, I think John Morant would be on there before Trey Young. I mean, the difference success. is like third, third in the West versus tenth in the East. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but if I'm assembling a roster uh, built with superstars where everyone's good and everyone's the man on their own team, I'm looking for fit. And I already have Giannis and Embiid on my team, and John Morant has is to date scoring the most points per game in the paint by a guard in like. I don't, I don't know if it's ever or in the past, like, 20 years or something. I think since, like, 2005. And that's insane. But because I have Giannis and Embiid, who are arguably the two best perimeter scorers, uh, inside scorers in the league, I guess you put John in that category now, I am not going to go with John Morant. I'm going to go with Trey Young, which probably makes you happy uh, because you would have had the two small guards and you already have your own vendetta uh, against... Trey Young, and I already see you filling out John Morant in the spreadsheet yeah. before I'm even done with my pick. Um, so yeah, I, when I look at this team, I do see a lack of shooting as well. Um, 
like obviously not a lack like we've you know we've kd um you're probably gonna take Jaws, i'm probably gonna take andrew wiggins next like he's a solid shooter and Embiid's a, a like he by by no means is he capable, not a capable. stretch bit he's capable but i'm gonna go trey young just for all the creativity he can bring on offense i think he's actually mm, i don't know if he's a better passer i i don't, eh. I don't, know, I don't know if I'm going better passer. Yeah, than Ja. I th- the main thing is the shooting because I, he can play off ball, whereas I don't see Giannis and Ja Morant both being in the peak of their effectiveness if they're sharing the floor together. Um, and with a team that is as sound defensively as mine with KD, uh, Giannis, Joel, and probably Andrew Wiggins, like those are all plus defenders, um, if not plus plus defenders, I can get away with having Trey Young on my roster. Yeah. Yeah. So, so as you alluded to, yeah, I think, I think John Morant is the, is the easy choice for me here. I, I, I had a split second where I was like, I mean, I do have to have somebody, the two Steph and Andrew Wiggins play together. Like who's the best fit for like team building purposes, like probably Wiggins, probably Wiggins, but I'm not going to, the gap I think in skill between John Morant and Andrew Wiggins is, is, is big enough that I, I have to prioritize, I think, who's quite clearly the better player this season over the, uh, the better fit. Um, Cause I do, I do think that like Andrew Wiggins is a good, is a very solid role player, right? Like, and, and he would be playing the same role that he's playing on the Warriors right now, basically in the starting lineup with Steph, uh, LeBron, Jokic, and, uh, and, and DeMar. But I'm going to go with Ja, even though I don't love having, Demar and Ja both out there, both who are probably making like one three a game. Um, I'd have to you'd have to fact check me on that, but probably around there. Um, not not a superb fit, but uh, if there's anybody who can make two non-shooters in the lineup work, and not that not that those guys are total non-shooters because they're because they're you know they're, they're capable they're capable I guess. Um, there's if there's anybody that can make it work, it's Steph. Um, as as I alluded to with the with the Draymond Green thing, like if you have a guy who's basically not shooting other than other than like layups, um, and then and then you replace him with like absolutely automatic mid range guy, and and as you said, like John Morant as a guard is averaging some of the most points per 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 game in the paint, and doing it on very good efficiency in the paint. Um, plus, I was talking before about my Le- LeBron uh, Jokic. Passing down down court to a leaking LeBron in transition, put put Jaw alongside that. Um, I guess I, I guess what I'm saying is like yeah, like I think I think there's enough. There's just like there's so much talent here, and I think that Jaw is so is so good at at attacking at attacking like weak points in the defense. Even if sometimes he's a little bit undisciplined in 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 wild, like I think that surrounded by players who are as good as smart and as experienced as I've, as I've got on the team that like, there's some room for that for, for Ja. And I think that it would actually, it would actually mesh pretty well. So I, I like I said, like there's, there's a, a, a small tiny part of me that's like, okay, maybe Wiggins for the, for the fit and just like role player, but nah, like Jaws, Jaws, that guy this year. Um, and it's and at the end of the day, there's not really too much question. Yeah. So the one thing that, held me back from taking G12 aside from just the whole shooting thing is I thought he was a much better three-point shooter this year than last year which is true he's up from 30 percent to 34 percent but I remember for a while it was at like 40 percent 40 yeah um, so that would have if yeah if that would have maintained itself then I would have picked him 
Uh, but so I went, I went Trey, uh, and I rounded out uh, by default with Andrew Wiggins, who would not have been on my all-star ballot at all if the fans did not vote him as a starter, which I think does need to... That, that generates the question of, do we need to give the fans less vote or less say in this? Because like every, like every year there's one random Warriors player, whether it's Zaza or even like Clay last year when he was injured, uh, who just gets an insane amount of votes for no reason. And so, not that he has yeah. no reason. This, this is Andrew Wiggins, if not best year, because he's averaged like 23 before. Um, but most productive and winningest year in his career. Um, and he's become like a great, not even role player, not even role player, like a great third option, second option for the Warriors. Um, but I, I don't think he, he definitely doesn't belong with any of the starter starters. You could make an argument that, hey, he would have been snubbed from the roster, not just a, an omission. Um, I take Wiggins. I think he, he's a good defender, especially in the Warriors system. They've taught him to be a, a very good defender. Um, so, you know, he can handle guys like Steph on the perimeter more than, you know, Trey Young. Uh, and so, you know, he can also make threes at a pretty good clip. Um, I'm going to look up his three-point rating right now. Um, but on the whole, I just think that he can be a guy. He can catch and shoot. He can play a lot of defense. In a, in a game that we're playing right now where literally everyone wants the ball all the time, I don't yeah. think it's the worst thing in the world to have a guy that's chilling with not. Oh, yeah, he's shooting 42% from three this year. Yeah, no, he's lights out right now. That's, that's great. Yeah. Um, so to summarize, uh, going down the starters roster, Team Connor Gielan has point guard Trey Young, shooting guard Andrew Wiggins, small forward Kevin Durant, power forward Giannis Antetokounmpo, center Joel Embiid. And then I've got Steph, Ja, LeBron, DeMar, Jokic. And then you're picking back-to-back right now, leading us off with the bench since I got the first pick with the starters. I am picking back-to-back. Um, hmm, I need, I need to give a second to think. Um, and also, yeah. just as a, as a summary of our of our uh, first, like, uh, of our starters picks, I think my greatest strength is definitely defense, specifically interior your defense. Size, your size is crazy with KD, Giannis, and Joel. And even even yeah, Wiggins at the two. Wiggins, how how tall is Wiggins? Probably six yeah. eight. Yeah. Dude, there um, are so many seven, ways seven. I could go with this. Oh my gosh, what am I doing? Okay, <laughs> some names that come to mind right now are Devin Booker, Donovan Mitchell, Luka Doncic, James Harden, Zach Levine. Like there are so many, there are so many good play. Oh my gosh, this is so hard. It's almost like it's an all star game. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> damn, I wish I won. I wish I won the coin flip now. Um, <laughs> I think, I think, due to me kind of having a little bit of a lack of facilitation with like only having Trey Young, I think I'm going to go with Luca as my first pick his shooting has been very much up and down but i think in terms of impact i think he probably offers me the greatest amount here and in terms of like value that another player can't fill i think he 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 provides that for me um so i'm gonna take him with my first overall pick off of the bench interesting i do think he's the he's the best player of of the guys on the bench um 
So, yeah. so I, I, I do think it's a, I didn't do think it's a good pick overall. Um, so now I'm kind of left in, in a similar in a similar spot that you were. A couple of guys that I'm adding on to the consideration um, are, are Jimmy um, and Chris Paul in consideration for that for that first pick. I mean, I guess Tatum too, but uh, I don't know. I'm a little stuck. I I, I think I, I'm really tempted to go Chris Paul to be honest. Um, I think I think I, I think I probably will. I think I I think I'll go Chris Paul here, which I know is probably a little bit of a weird pick to the to the. I don't know, to the average person. He's not he's not the biggest name on this list anymore. Um, but I've ha- I've been having a lot of conversations recently about about how Chris how good Chris Paul is. I've been really trying to watch the game from a like you know more pro- more matured perspective. Uh, part of the reason like like I I I, I would have been very anti Curry in the draft in this draft a year ago. I would have like for pride purposes been like, nah, I just don't like Steph, and so I wouldn't have wanted to take him. But as I've as I've tried to watch the game with a more like discerning eye, um, really come to admire the way that that the Steph's gravity basically in the way that he moves without the ball. And in a similar way, um, you look at Chris Paul's points per game at at fourteen point five, and you're like, okay, like one of these guys is not like the other on this list. You know, it's like him, him, Draymond, and and Rudy are the only guys that are really like below twenty. Um, so 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 you know maybe he stands out as a bit of a as a bit of an outlier and, and somebody that you wouldn't that you wouldn't think would be would be high on my priority list to snag off the bench. But when I was talking about LeBron earlier, I called him maybe the smartest player in the league, and then the other guy I mentioned was Chris Paul. Um, once again, like like that's something that I really want to want to prioritize here because I think that regardless of how much talent you have, um, the guys who can win the chess match. Of, of, of the uh, Draymond was talking about this on the JJ Ray podcast the other day, but how he likes playing against guys that 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 play the game and like it's like a mental chess match on both guy, on both sides of the court where you can feel the guys, you know, when, when he plays against LeBron, you can feel LeBron calling out what their play is going to be, and you can feel LeBron positioning himself on defense to get in the way of whatever Draymond is thinking he's about to do, and, and so prioritizing guys who are, who are, who play that mental chess match, um, in in, in the in the the, the way that Chris Paul generates points, generates wins, generates defensive stops, even without it showing up in the box score, right? Ten assists is obviously incredible, but there's one play in particular that that I that I loved. That was Chris Paul came down the court um, after I think it was after a basket, and and so it's you know sort of half transition where the defenders are still sort of getting settled. He's got the ball coming at the middle of the court, and Mikel Bridges is trailing on his right. Uh, Mikel's defender is kind of sitting down a little bit, like towards the free throw line uh, in the paint, pretty far. Um, Chris Paul sees that his defenders, that, that Mikel's defender is not pressed up on him, so Chris Paul immediately dribbles to the right, like sort of along the perimeter, pitches the ball back to Mikel Bridges as he's trailing. Mikel Bridges steps right up to the three point line, and at the same time, Chris Paul just stops and sets the screen. So, out of nowhere, just generates a wide open three just by noticing that. As the, as he's coming down the court, Mikel Bridges' defender is is stepped down too low, right? And so if he had just passed the ball to Mikel Bridges from the top of the key rather than going and setting that little screen, the, get, the defender would have just closed out. But because he does this like little pitch back and screen in one motion, it's just wide open three, you know. And so that counts as an assist. But for some reason, I think there's a lot of stuff like that that Chris Paul does that like the value is kind of not totally traceable. And I think there's more value in that assist than there is in an assist where you run a pick and roll and you throw a lob. You know what I mean? Like, I think at some point there's yeah. a lot of guys who can, there's a, there's a lot of guys who can make that pass. Right. And maybe 
like I, I think of Trey Young for example, like another guy who puts up who puts up huge assist numbers, near ten assists per game, but and a lot of that comes from the fact that you're so scared of him as a shooter that you come and double, and then that leaves his passing game open. But in some ways, I feel like the the the, the like the way that, that that Chris Paul, even maybe having lost half a step in speed and athleticism, still impacts winning so much just by the way that he communicates and the little things that he do, does, just like pointing at where he wants his guys. You know, I think of the way that DeAndre Ayton, if you listen to his interviews, talks about Chris Paul um, as basically having like changed his whole career and like turned into the player that he was in the finals last year and everything. Like that's the kind of guy that I want in the team. Um, even though is Chris Paul the same player that Luka Doncic is in terms of like points responsible for per game? Absolutely not. Um, but but I still think Chris Paul Chris Paul's value is awesome, and I don't think I'm losing that much, and um, that I'm not getting Devin Booker <coughs> here because. For example, because like the alternative is going to be Zach Levine in two rounds or whatever, you know. I mean, like at some point, like those guys, yeah. the difference of those guys isn't isn't massive. But I do love Chris Paul here. Yeah, I, I totally respect that pick. I honestly probably would not have chosen Chris Paul, but now you kind of have me yeah. in this mindset of like, okay, who is irreplaceable on this list? Like, mm-hmm. you know, if I pass up on Devin Booker, I could get Zach Levine or Donovan Mitchell. If I pass up on Jason Tatum, I could get Chris Middleton. If I pass up on Darius Garland, I can get Fred Van Vliet. So who is irreplaceable here? And I'm <coughs> I'm wondering, like, is it crazy for me to take, like, Draymond or Rudy Gobert right now? <laughs> like, second, second pick off the bench? Yeah. Uh, and even there, like, they're not replaceable of each other because they're they're kind of like the two models of how to be a top defender in the nba one's like very you know just like does all the iq stuff and also can just guard a bunch of positions and then the other one is just like the best rim protector we've seen in the past five to ten years and so dude i think i'm going rudy i'm gonna pick rudy second second pick um just because i because I don't want you to get him. That is part of the reason I chose this. Because I'm on a roster that already has uh, Joel Embiid and Giannis. Probably the two best yeah. uh, rim protectors on this. And I don't want you to be able to match that. Especially uh, when I'm going to have like Trey Young and Giannis and Embiid down low. Um, because I, I would That's a damn good point. Not blame like, you like... Because yeah. at, the, at the moment of my starters, I probably have Nicole Jokic guarding Embiid and like LeBron guarding KD or, or, or Giannis leaving DeMar DeRozan the other of KD and Giannis. You know what I mean? Like that's not, that's not great. So it's, yeah. it, it's a good point that like me being able to throw Rudy at one of them off the bench would have been, would have been big. Um, so very interesting. I do like, I do like your irreplaceable thing. Um, I think right here, this is another kind of, kind of interesting one. But but kind of for the reasons that I just said with like, with like with some with some defense, um, I think I want to go with Jimmy Butler. Um, I do think I, that like like yeah, if, I was thinking about that. He's a little bit Demar Derozan esque in the like in the mid range stuff and not elite three point shooting, but I think that he's a grinder on defense in a way that that Demar probably isn't. And so if I need some help off the bench as a sort of like Demar. Demar-esque kind of guy, or even a John Morant kind of s guy. Not not those are good comparisons really at all. Um, they're very different players, obviously. But 
if I need some, if I need to put to put in a guy off the bench for one of those for one of those guys to give me some help on on defense in particular, um, and a guy who who has proven to be to be a winner over the last few years, like like g- give me Jimmy. And and just while we're on top of the Heat, real quick, I wanted to shout out Bam, who, in my opinion, probably would have been on probably should have been on this All Star list had he played enough games. So you think he's only played like twenty eight games or something this season? So if he was closer to forty games, closer to the, you know all the games that he'd have played, you know I, th- I think he would have been on this list. So I think he's deserving to at least like you know be in this in the same conversation as all these guys because he's an incredible player in his own right. But yeah, give me Jimmy right here. Yeah, I I, I agree. Um, shout out to Bam. Um, also, just looking at your first two picks, uh, Chris Paul and Jimmy Butler. You know, let's say this is less of a Game 7 NBA Finals situation and more of a actual All-Star Game situation, mm-hmm. you already know you got the two dudes who are going to still take it the most seriously. Yeah. Like, you got the that's, two that's dudes good who are yeah. going to you know, be sprinting 94 feet no matter what. No, I do I do think that having, like, the, the effort guys, the grinders, the, like, you know, winning, winning at all costs, even if it doesn't show up in the box score the same way that some of these other guys' production does, like, those are the kind of guys that I'm that I'm feeling in this draft right now, the irreplaceable kind of guys. That, that's what you're calling them. Yeah. Back to you though. Yeah. Um, so now I'm kind of entering this phase of let's get into the replace. <laughs> that's awful to say. Let's get into the replaceable guys. Uh, and that's obviously like nobody on here is replaceable, right? They're all like yeah. some of the best players in the yeah. league, but yeah, relative, relative. Um, their only value as people as well. Um, but to go into guys that I can that are sort of similar to each other, I, I've seen this debate of like who's been having the better year, Devin Booker or Zach Levine, and it's a really good debate. And I still don't know which side I end up on. Both are averaging almost exactly twenty five points a game, almost exactly four and a half uh, assists per game, and around five rebounds per game. Both are, like, smooth as hell when it comes to the perimeter. Like, two of, like, the prettiest games in the league. Um, they can score at all three levels, which is another meme. I always I always say that people can score at all three levels. Uh, <laughs> uh, and and, and they're, they, bo- they both pull off court. I'll just leave it at that. Uh, but uh, I think I am going to go – this decision I'm making is predicated off of three-point percentage. So let me really quick look at Devin Booker's three point because I feel like I heard it was lower this year. Uh, it's back it, up. It's he, it's, he, it's higher than it was last year. Yeah. I just checked. It's like thirty seven percent or something right now. Yeah, yeah. He, so he's shooting thirty seven percent. Donovan's at thirty three point nine. Okay, that that's that's that was that's for Donovan level. Mitchell. Sorry, you said Zach Levine. Yeah, and then and then and then Levine's at forty. Uh, I'm going to choose Zach Levine. Uh, <laughs> I I think straight through that. <laughs> yeah, um, I think he's just going to be a sniper off the bench. Um, he damn well could have been a starter over Trey Young. A lot of people had him as a starter over Trey Young, uh, or over his teammate Demar Derozan. Um, and honestly, he's just like he's one of the most like bona fide scorers we have in the game. When he was traded from Minnesota, I like one of my. Uh, proudest basketball takes 
um, in terms of being right, was thinking like, oh, they just got a dude who can who can give you like mid twenty points per game, um, and he, he's been doing that because he he got his three pointer to be one of the best in the league. So that I'm going Zach Levine. Yeah, no, I, I it's good it's a good call. Um, I think I think here. I think I'm gonna go with Jason Tatum. I'm gonna I'm gonna get another like relatively big wing that can that can shoot, uh, create his own shot and, and and play some defense. I think that that Jason Tatum's versatility here is is really useful, and I think that right now him and Jalen Brown, the Celtics are being asked to do a lot because there aren't a lot of creators in the team, and there's sort of there's somewhat of a lack of identity. Um, and even though they're hot right now, I, I, I'm gonna check what they've won in their last of their last 10 um they have they're you know they're sitting at the at the nine seed right now or seven three in their last 10 they've had they've had a bit of a rough season where they've been sort of disappointing since they made the eastern conference finals against the Cavs, uh, you know in like 2016 um i do think though that jason tatum with the right guys around him is still an incredibly talented incredibly versatile guy and so when he's when he's getting i always say about jason tatum jason tatum jalen brown that no shot they take ever looks easy. And part of the thing that's always most amazing to me about the NBA guys is that they make everything they do look easy. And so I don't really get that feeling with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. It's more that when when their shots go in, I'm like, damn, those guys are talented. It's not like a, wow, they made that look buttery smooth. And that's not because they're not capable of being like smooth, really skilled players. Because they are like really smooth, skilled guys. I think that they're things get clunky and take turnsy on the Celtics. And so I think that I would like to see Jason Tatum in an environment surrounded by a lot of the guys that I have and, and, and my starters now coming off the bench, just like really smart, experienced players who who, who know the right way to play. Um, so I, I think that, that Tatum in that situation, not not that he would take less of a... He would always take less of a load. It's, it's an all-star game. But not necessarily that, that he needs to, even in Boston, take less of a load. It's just I think that getting shots more more in the flow of an offense and in, in, in more of like a established system rather than in a way where it's like, okay, Jason, you got to go get yours or we're not going to win this game, um, I think would be would be an interesting thing to, to see. So so I'm going to go Jason Tatum right here. Okay, yeah, I, I think that's a great pick, especially um, filling, <coughs> filling the need for like a bigger wing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I am going to respond to that by taking the other guy I was about to pick in Devin Booker, because you might you might think this is redundant. Um, I think both guys can easily play the shooting guard or the small forward position, um, and I think that with having those two guys on my bench uh, in addition to Luca, like I'm I'm set. Like I I don't even yeah. need to worry about that anymore. Um, so I'm gonna go Devin Booker again. He can score on all three levels. Uh, he's hitting the three. Uh, he's in the mid-range beautifully. Uh, I think Chris Paul rubbed off on him a little bit there. Uh, and he's yeah. shooting well from the rim. And obviously, a winning player. Uh, he's been to the finals. He performed really big there. Um, I'm taking Devin Book. No, between between Devin Booker, um, Luca, and Zach Levine, you got a lot of skilled scorers coming off the bench, which is which is which is frightening. Yeah. Which is frightening. <coughs> so I like that pick. Um, yeah. Since you've got so much size and since you've already got Rudy Gobert, um, I feel like I'm kind of left no choice here but to go cap um, and just try to match with another seven-footer. Um, 
I'm I'm happy to see that Carl is having a a, a, a kind of bounce back year because he's had a lot of stuff in his personal life going on, and we all know I think as as basketball fans how talented he is, um, and and how he's capable of greatness. You know, he was he was selected first overall for a reason. Um, he's rookie of the year for a reason. Do you remember? I, I don't know if you remember, but this always sticks out in my mind that like they did one of those polls for NBA GMs you know, probably in 2015, and it was like, if you could start your franchise with any player in the league right now, who would you pick? And the most popular answer was Carl Anthony Towns, you know? Um, and so, and like, like last year, for reference, it was probably, Gian- I think it was Giannis. So, um, I don't know. So, so, so Carl Anthony Towns, I'm glad to see when he's, when he's playing well and he, when he's doing his thing. And the fact that this, the, the Timberwolves are actually like hovering around 500 this year, um, because I think he's a really, a really skilled player, obviously, and I think that he's also a very genuine, heartfelt dude. So happy to see him succeeding. No, but and also like we we've had this debate before, but the classic like in a, a few years ago, we one of our one of our all time moments on Space the Floor, I think, was was Jokic versus Carl Anthony Towns. Um, and of course, I was Jokic, and you were and you were Cat. But but which everything that you said then still stands, which is that like he is legitimately like one of the most talented scorers in the in the NBA and one of the most talented scores that the league has to offer. His bag is deep and just the things that he does at seven feet sometimes don't make sense. You know, he's actually one of the better shooters in the league period. Not like one of the better big man shooters in the league. You know, like he just like can absolutely stroke yeah. it from three. Um, he's a versatile guy, skilled guy. And at the end of the day, I just need a seven foot. So to be able to get cat level value, just like coming off my bench, I think is, I think it's pretty, it's pretty high. Yeah, man, I've I've always been a big Carl Anthony Towns guy. I think he always just gets slept on, uh, maybe because he hasn't been the most talkative guy, as opposed to, like, a Joel Embiid. He's not, like, he has a crazy play style, but it's still not flashy like Jokic. And so I think he, he flies under the radar a little bit. Um, and he's just, like, nice guy. Um, and he, in terms of, like, deepness of bag, his thing, his thing, his is, in yeah. the basement it's it's <laughs> so deep um yeah and so shout out to you i think i'm gonna counter that uh i'm i'm looking here just to see what we got i'm going back and forth between like i don't really have like like a wing so chris middleton's looking really appealing but i kind of think his game is very redundant with zach Levine's and devin booker so at this point, like I don't think I need three guys like that. I think I just need two. Um, and so with with Luca, D Book, and Zach Levine, I think I am beyond set for perimeter scoring, to where I can afford to take Draymond Green. Ah, uh, and yeah, yeah. And once again, you know, disarm you of defense, like I of defense. Yeah. Like I, no, like I, I was I, I was hoping to get Draymond I, Green for sure. Yeah. If I yeah. if I win this game, it's gonna be because of the defense. Yeah, um, and and I, I, honestly, a lot of people were complaining that Draymond was here. Man is averaging a triple seven. Uh, he's averaging seven point seven rebounds and seven assists. But it goes so much be- deeper than that. So much beyond just the stat sheet. His on off numbers are insane. His win loss numbers. And I'm saying this as a Steph Curry fan. When it's for... just Steph and the Warriors, like with Draymond, they're a top three team in the league. When it's just Steph Curry without Draymond and the rest of the Warriors are there, like they're going buzzer to buzzer with the Rockets. 
That's happened twice now, where Steph Curry has had to like in one game he he had a, he had a game winner, and in another game he dropped forty. Both of those were against the Houston Rockets, and he yeah. had to do that because Draymond wasn't there. And so yeah. that impact, especially you know in a game with so many guys who can already just ISO and score, um, but who also are great in the pick and roll or the pick and pop or the slip screen game and who are great at passing or who can play off people. I think Draymond is just going to be a Swiss army knife. Um, and also like, you know, like he'll be able to adjust like behind Chris Paul and Jimmy Butler, this man Draymond is going to take this game the most seriously. Um, and I think come halftime, He's gonna be able. He's gonna be able to figure out this weird scenario in which you have the best players playing together. He's gonna to be able to figure it out. He figured it out with Golden State. He's gonna be. He's gonna be able to figure out after a quarter or two goes by. All right, you know this is how we expose their defense, or this is what's gonna work on offense for us. Like you have to pass more. You have to pass less. You have to score more. You have to score less. So I'm taking that alpha personality, Draymond Green. No, I I, I, I really like that pick because I think what you were saying before about, about some of the fans that want to see him here. Like, I understand that from a purely entertainment perspective, that there are players that would be more exciting to see in an all-star game than Draymond Green. Um, but if we're drafting for the purposes of winning, uh, Draymond goes a lot higher than his entertainment value. You know what I mean? Um, so I, I, think, I think that you're absolutely right to actually to, to be taking this high. And the, the, having both Rudy Gobert and Draymond Green there for your defense is, is sick. Like you said, like, like Swiss Army Knife, like, Makes makes it so that at all, at all times you'll have it one of the like you know top defensive player of the year candidates, you know between uh, Giannis, Joel, Rudy, and Draymond all on your team like that's a, that's a defensive juggernaut. Um, so like that's 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 I, tough. Are, that's are tough. Really the four best defenders on the on this list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I don't even know. Not even. I don't even think actually. there's an argument. Yeah, yeah. No, no argument. Um, no argument for me at least. So okay, so. I've got Jimmy, Chris Paul, Cat, and Jason Tatum so far on my bench. Um, I was definitely eyeing Draymond there. Since he's gone, um, I think my my focus is sort of shifting towards James Harden or Donovan Mitchell. Um, dude, yeah, I dude, I saw James Harden like last round. I was like, because I, I was I was listening to all the guys. I was like, Yo, Zach Levine, Devin yeah. Booker, Donovan Mitchell. I did not mention that guy's name. Yeah. I don't know why. Maybe it's because like the like the black jersey and like I don't, I don't know. Like it just like it just seemed he seemed to just blend it. I yep. don't know. Like it, it just no. like it, it it didn't pop out to me. I think I think we're all in a little, a little bit in snooze mode for the Nets. Um, because we're kind of waiting to see what happens when we get to the playoffs. It's like, okay, yeah, sure, you got James Harden, you got Kevin Durant. Like, that's great and all, but it's like championship or, or, or bust. You know what I mean? Um, and, and so the, the attention has been, wow, Kevin Durant is having an MVP caliber season. And, wow, isn't it exciting that, that Kyrie Irving is back? But there hasn't been a lot of talk about, hey, James Harden's still doing his thing. Um, and so I know I know he had he started off the season shooting pretty poorly. There was some talk about, like, is James Harden falling off because there's no more free throw free throw calling the same way? Like, dude's still averaging ten assists per game. As far as I know, there are two guys yeah. in the league doing doing that right now, and it's James Harden and Chris Paul. I've got one of those two guys already on my team, and and, and so give me the other because um, in terms of in terms of how how much they can they can impact the game on offense and how many different like there are very few offensive players who who are. Um, 
I think is crafty and just as good at getting their teammates invo- as involved as, as James Harden. And so um, his scoring is not quite what it was maybe in Houston, but it's partially just because of who he's been around. But like, don't sleep on the fact that James Harden is still one of the best, most talented offensive players that the league has to offer. Um, and so once again, like I don't have the same defense that you do. Um, you know, since so that's part of the reason like I was hoping to get like Draymond Green here, but uh, still like give me, like give me James Harden. James Harden is is an incredible, incredible player. So don't let that fall under the radar. I guess I'm saying as this Brooklyn team is this, is this. complicated. I guess, but but that still not getting that much attention. This may be an unfair criticism, but the reason why James Harden wasn't as high on my list or maybe I didn't notice him was because you know if you put James Harden back in Houston he's probably going to be an MVP candidate again uh, and you know he would be an all-star starter and we would draft him higher but I'm kind of of the frame of mind right now that James Harden on a super team which is what both of our teams are in this all-star game James Harden on a super team does not give you as much value as James Harden by himself. And that's true to some extent with all the players on this list, because obviously they're going to be taking less shots. But I think there there is something there that throws James Harden off when he's not, you know, the center of the universe. Uh, or, no, yeah, I mean, like, James Harden made the name the name for himself that like we associate with him by, by, be, by being very heliocentric. But I think that you could say the same thing about some of the guys that you have have on your list, right? Like, I don't, I don't think that sure. Luka Doncic, like, like, like Luka, for, Luka for example, is, Luka's probably the best example, I guess. Whereas, like, you know, you, you flip those two guys, and the the production probably looks pretty similar. You know what I mean? Where like, uh, yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. You know, so, uh, is Luka a better player than James Harden right now? Like, yeah, probably. But like, is the gap huge? Like, I don't also don't think so. You know what I mean? Maybe maybe it's me not giving, yeah, which Luke is bizarre, because, by the way, because yeah, in, in, in between those two picks was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight players that were picked yeah. in between Luca and James Harden. Yeah, no, I, I guess this goes back to the whole media thing. I think that the media has a lot, a lot of power over like the, the players that we think are the best and the players that we care about the most, and like. John Morant gets posted now on, on, on Instagram for doing anything, for doing anything. You know what I mean? And like James yeah. Harden, which kind of makes it, it, it James Harden by the numbers way. is having, yeah, but James Harden, like maybe not, maybe not, maybe not the shooting percentage or whatever, but like by the numbers, you just like add up points and assists. Like it's pretty similar. You know what I mean? But yeah, it's, it's just, it's just not how the world works. Like James Harden at this point is kind of old news. You know, he he went and did his thing where he was he was putting up fifty points on a regular basis in Houston. Now he's back to to, to Brooklyn where he's just a high All Star caliber player, and it's like not that exciting. Whereas you got guys like Luca, uh, John Morant that are like just coming onto the stage and you know are just like absolute wonder boys that that the whole league is just like slobbering over and like everybody's so excited to watch them play. Like great for revenue, great for media, great for marketing, great for all that. But like don't let it distract at the same time from the fact that like. As great as Luca is, is he really that much better than like a Jason Tatum or a James Harden who are who are on my team? Or is he is he that much better than a Zach Levine or Devin Booker who are on your team? I think he is better. I think he's the best player of those 
guys that we just named. You know, like even a year ago, we were talking about Luca as a, as a top five guy, and, and probably still should be talking about as a top five guy. But is the difference between Luca maybe being top five and James Harden being like top ten or something like that? You know what I mean? Like, is there really that much of a gap between those guys? Not absolute night and day. Strange side tangent, but that's that's just in response to your criticism that James Harden has more value in a heliocentric offense. It's like. Well, yeah, but like, so does everybody. So everybody's going to put up bigger numbers in a heliocentric offense. As long as, as long as you're still very efficient and you're contributing to winning with multiple stars around you, I think that that's the sign of a great player. And I think that's, you know, that's like part of the reason I really like DeMar's, DeMar DeRozan's season this year is like you put him next to Zach Levine, who's coming off, what, like 28 points per game last year, being like an absolute stud, like close to leading the league in scoring. And Zach Levine's still averaging 25. Meanwhile, DeMar DeRozan has come in and been their best player. It's like, if you can come in and, and, and absolutely do your thing while also not stunting the production of other guys, like if you can if you can mesh pretty seamlessly and, and just create wins in the process, like I think that's, that's truly a sign of a great player. And I think that James Harden is doing that in Brooklyn on an inconsistent roster that outside of him, Kyrie, and KD is not very good. So food for thought, I guess. Yeah, that's true. Um, the fact that this Brooklyn team has stayed afloat is remarkable, given how many mm-hmm. absences they've had. Um, KD is the primary culprit for this. Like He's doing so much heavy lifting, but James Harden is a huge part of that, too. Um, yeah. So shout out to him. So now we get into our, four players our wild left. cards. Yeah. We only have four players left, um, which are, uh, in no particular order, Darius Garland, Chris Middleton, Donovan Mitchell, and Fred Van Vliet. Uh, all perimeter players, most of them are guards, uh, with the exception of Chris. And so I, I think it's – my mind was between Donovan Mitchell and Chris Middleton just because I think uh, Darius Garland and Fred Van Vliet, both first-time All-Stars, um, are – in terms of skill and caliber are maybe in a tier below or maybe I'm just grouping them together because they're so similar of players. So – my mind goes to between Donovan Mitchell and Chris Middleton, um, and I need a wing, like a, like a bigger wing. More like I haven't really drafted a bigger wing uh, so far. I've just drafted a lot of guards that can play like the two and the three, uh, being mm-hmm. Luka Doncic, Zach Levine, Devin Booker. Like all three of those guys have played small forward before. Um, but you don't got like you don't have like lengthy team. defenders, you know, like at the three yeah, position. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, which is an issue. So that maybe makes me want to go with Chris Middleton. However, if I just look at who has been the better player this year, it is far and away Donovan Mitchell. Far and away. I'm frankly shocked that he has not been drafted up to this point. Like, it's, it's a little yeah. disrespectful. No, like it, he's, it is, yeah. Like, I, I drafted... What? Okay, I drafted Devin Booker three picks ago. I drafted Zach Levine five picks ago. He, like, I, I don't think he's had a worse season than either of them. And Certainly yet he's, par, he's, yeah. fall, he's fallen this far. Uh, and he's, him and Rudy are the sole reasons why that Jazz team is, you know, a top three team in the West when, you know, the, the, bet, the entire team is probably, like, a worse talent-wise than it has been for the past two or three years. And yet, it's been better um, with the, with the decline of Boyan Bogdanovich and Joe Ingles. And uh, Donovan Mitchell has turned up this year. He's averaging twenty five and a half points, uh, five rebounds or four rebounds, five assists. 
I'm going to go with him because as a wild card spot, I just want people that can impact the game so heavily and just add a little something in there. Uh, and I think Donovan Mitchell is just far and away the best player left. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a good pick. Um, because I didn't get Draymond earlier, because I'm still a little low on guys, I guess, that can, can play the four. I guess it's a little bit of a stretch to say even that Chris Middleton can do that. But guys who can play sort of like uh, like 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 we were talking like you were talking about like the like the lengthy three and D kind of wing spot, I do think that Chris Paul fits that need for me the best of the guys left. Um, and you mean Chris? You, know, you sort of said that. Sorry, yeah, Chris Middleton. Who I said Chris Paul. Yeah, I mean Chris Middleton. Um, and then and then so that that'll leave Darius Garland and Fred VanVleet. You call them pretty similar players. I don't know if they're like super similar in play style but they're similar in like size and i guess yeah, like strength. yeah they're definitely like, I guess, not similar play style i would say darius is like like quicker footed and like more shifty but like the, i see what you're i see what you're saying like i like they are they are really similar and and i think i'm happy to land with either of those guys in my last spot so here i just gotta i think i have to prioritize just landing chris middleton yeah that's true um i i yeah i definitely don't think darius and fred are the same type of player i just mm-hmm. kind of consider them both small guards that were fringe all-stars and are having relatively breakout yeah. years uh, i think they're the same caliber player um so who do i go with um do i need like any particular needs i guess like my passing isn't great for my second unit besides luca no no i have dream on though that's not true um Darius Garland is averaging 20 points and 8 assists. Fred VanVleet is averaging 22 points and 7 assists. I think I'm going to go with Fred VanVleet just because I feel like I've seen a little more from him throughout his career in terms of playing with other with other stars um, and being not the guy. Um, even though, you know, he, he's a big-time shot maker down the stretch. I think I'm going to go with him just because I've seen him in a winning environment. Uh, which is what I need for my team. I think he, he can create in the pick and roll really well. I think, I don't know why, I kind of just picture him as a, sm- a slightly smarter player, but I think I, that could totally be not fair um, to, to Darius Garland. Um, but just on the whole, I'm, I'm going I'm going Fred Van Vliet. I think he just adds a little something to my roster that I think Darius Garland uh, with his kind of like high skill, um, quick paced, um, I think that would overlap a little bit with Donovan Mitchell uh, and Zach Levine and Devin Booker. And do you think Fred Van Vliet is like a is a really consistent player? That's kind of part of how he's built his image. And so, if if, you, if smarter like high basketball IQ isn't the right way to, to phrase it, calling Fred Van Vliet more proven is definitely fair. Dude went from undrafted to all star. You know what I mean? Like that he didn't first, come first with ever, any assumptions. I yeah, I, that sounds right. Um, he didn't come with any assumptions that he. Oh no 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 no, 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 no! That's a lie. Nate, oh no no no! Isaiah Thomas was sixty. Yeah. Uh, maybe. I don't know. Isaiah Thomas was 60. That's okay. Sorry. Yeah. Continue. I don't know if they were an ulcer. Yeah. But, but, um, I guess I'm saying like he, he came with assumptions working against him, not for him as an undrafted guy. And so that requires many years of working your way up the ladder, uh, in a row to, to, to maintain your position, to get a big contract, basically betting on yourself. Um, so, so definition, I think of like, of consistency, of reliable, and I'm and I'm glad he made it because honestly I was a little concerned that 
Lamelo or Jalen Brown or somebody who I thought like I really I'm really glad that Fred Lee is here because I think he deserves it. I thought that one of those guys, not that they don't deserve it, I thought that they might just get the spot just because they're bigger name players than Fred VanVleet and because Toronto as a team right now, I feel like is not super exciting to watch. Um, kind of just like a lot of experimenting going experimenting going on right now, I feel like. I, I actually kind of, it is it is actually kind of fascinating to watch them run out lineups with like six dudes who just like are all like 6'10 and in like, not excellent shooters or like weren't excellent shooters coming in, but are like developing. You know, like running live with like Scotty Barnes, Chris Boucher, Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi. Uh, like it's just like such a hodgepodge of like really interesting like prospects, I guess. Or, like really interesting project players. And you know, like I always talk about OG Ananobi as like my my dark horse most improved player. Um, <laughs> he does get better every single year. So I I do like what the Raptors are doing, but at the same time, not a consistently great watch. As an NBA as an NBA team right now, just because like you never know what you're gonna get. Um, so, but I'm glad for for Vivli ended up here. The uh, ending up with Darius Garland. I'm I thought there was a good chance that his teammate Jared Allen would end up on this All Star list. Yeah. And I think there's an interesting conversation yeah. to be had. Is like if you I don't know I don't know how it works with positions and everything. I think Darius Garland made it in as one of the uh, wild cards. Although maybe maybe I, I could be wrong about that. Like, would you have? Would you pick J- Jared Allen or, or Darius Garland? I'm not sure what the right answer to that is. Um, you know, and I don't, definitely don't want to talk down Darius Garland because I think he's having an awesome year, and, and it's 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 really cool to think that like I remember him in the draft going fourth, and it was sort of like he's a really exciting prospect. We don't know what he's going to be because he barely played at Vanderbilt because he was injured and stuff like that. Um, it's exa- it's been exciting to watch him honestly pan out especially in, in Colin Sexton's absence, uh, you would have thought a year ago that a guy who averaged like 24 points per game on good efficiency, just going out for the season, like the Cavs would fall off the face of the earth a little bit. Quite the opposite. You know, bring in Evan Mobley and the jump that Darius Garland's made and, and having Jared Allen here for the full season, like this team is legit. Um, and a lot of that credit goes to their now all-star point guard who – really is going to be lethal in the pick and roll. Like if he's not already like one day, you know, I would say he is already, but his mix of being able to pull up from three, kill you with, with little floaters inside the paint, um, or just like hit you with that lob. It's, it's Trey Young-esque in that like when he gets to his like going off one foot, one hand, is it a lob or is it a floater? Like it's really hard to read as a, as a, as a big man and, and sort of like drop coverage. So I think, I think he's he's dangerous and 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 I, and I like the way he's been playing. Like I think he's shown a lot of really awesome awesome flashes this year, and he's still got a long way to go to be on the same caliber as a lot of the other guys that are sort of in this list. But like I said, like really really good flashes. So I'm I'm happy he made the game, and and I'm happy that he ended up on on my team also. Yeah, I, I remember him getting drafted. I really liked him in college for Vanderbilt, even though I'm pretty sure he missed like a good majority of the games. Yeah, but they were comparing him to like. Damian Lillard, which actually is not that good of a comparison, uh, yeah. But that that originally just enticed me. I was like, ah, I got to find out about this guy. Yeah, and he yeah. had drafted like fifth overall, uh, and it just really compelling player. He he seems to play with a lot of joy, which really uh, warms my heart. Because uh, someone who loves the game, uh, it's it just truly a sight to see. Um, so let's recap our rosters: uh, point yeah. guard Trey Young. Shooting guard, Andrew Wiggins. Small forward, Kevin Durant. Power forward, Giannis. Center, Joel Embiid. And then you can say your starters, and then we'll go to the bench. Sure. 
Steph Curry, John Morant, LeBron James, DeMar DeRozan, Nicole Jokic. Okay, uh, and, and down my roster for the bench in order of the, the way they were drafted, Luka Doncic, Rudy Gobert, Zach Levine, Devin Booker, Draymond Green, and then the wild cards are Donovan Mitchell and Fred VanVleet. And I got Chris Paul, Jimmy Butler, Jason Tatum, Carl Anthony Towns, James Harden, and last but not least, Chris Middleton and Darius Carlin as my wild cards. Hopefully we'll put together an Instagram post um, yeah. kind of recapping this. We did that last year and it uh, incited some fun debates in the comment section. So go check us out on Instagram if you're not following us there already. Um, you can tell us what you think, who you think won the draft. That's probably one of the best ways to communicate with us. Um, and also probably easier to see this as a graphic than just hear us list, list them out loud. Yeah, um, should for be sure. Fun. Follow us on Instagram at Space the Floor Podcast. Mm-hmm. And on Twitter as well, at Space the Floor. Um, but thank you so much for watching. Uh, thank you. We really appreciate it. Uh, my name is Connor Gielen. And I'm Connor Flattery. And uh, we'll see you next time. Uh, shout out to jo- uh, Jonathan Kaminga's new nickname, the Cum Dunkster. <laughs> and shout out to uh, Nikola Jokic, my, my true captain. <laughs>